Let's do something because I don't want my son's generation to live shorter lives than we did. We have a chance to do something about it. We have the information. I got a serious thing to talk to you about. This is Colin. I'm gonna probably post this on Tribe 10K and the Wild podcast, as well as the Ancestral Mind podcast, because it is something that we all need to bring more attention to and think about, especially those of you that have kids. Now, this isn't gonna be just for those that have kids, but it's something, it's for everybody, because we all need to be aware of this idea, whether we're you know, feeding kids our neighbor's kids or we're aunts and uncles, whatever it is, we need to be aware of this idea. It's been something that's infiltrated our society. And we have corporations and we have even the government that has subsidized a lot of these, these crops that have allowed for these corporations and have paved the way for the processed food revolution. There's a lot of things here. I could, you know, this show, this show could be multiple hours long. Uh, there's too much to cover. I'm going to cover some of the basics. I'm going to review why sugar is so unnatural to our species, why it is actually poison to our species, what the mechanism of sugar is in nature, and how the sugars and the grains and the other things that we're eating in processed food is not even close to what we would have had if we had it in nature. What prompted me to do the show was going to the local zoo here in Austin, it's a rescue zoo, a hot summer day, a lot of families, a lot of strollers, a lot of kids. It was a reminder for me, almost a culture shock, of how average people eat. And more so, how average people feed their kids. Now look, I'm not here to try to shame people. You know, that might happen if you hear something that is, makes it uncomfortable for you because it's something you're doing. But our parents fed us sugar, right? We had Oreos and orange juice and milk. Uh, we would have bread. We had a lot of things. It wasn't as bad as some people do today, but you know, the information was lacking back then. Just and, and today it's not even lacking. It's just confused and there's propaganda and you know, people, if you're not actively out doing research, you're not gonna know any better. So I understand why this is. I understand why there are certain food beliefs. And I also understand how a lot of people don't even understand nutrition in the least or in how to eat healthy why it's important, right? And, and why and how it contributes to obviously the weight problem, but also long-term health consequences. Now that that is out of the way, let me get real with you. I'm gonna make some bold statements. Some of them might be harsh to hear, but instead of t hearing something you don't wanna hear or that's uncomfortable and letting your dogma and your bias kick in, what happens real quick? Let's go off on a little tangent real quick on cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is what happens when something is brought to your attention that conflicts with your current belief system, right? Or something that you believe or think is true or whatever. Think of it as like a, a mental pain when this thing you adamantly believe, like let's say you're super religious and you know some scientist comes along and tells you that that's nonsense or whatever and there's no empirical proof. Like, you know, you can have things like that. But even more specifically, when it comes to nutrition, people really have this because they get so tied up into what they believe about food or what they want to believe or whatever. Or maybe they even read a few books. You know, they read a book about vegan propaganda or about this or that. And, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there, even in books. And then you hear someone else say something and you think, oh, well, I just read a book on this. So this can't be true. For some people, it either really makes them question 
themselves and kind of question their beliefs while also being painful. And for a lot of people, they just straight up write it off, right? Because that's cognitive dissonance. It's your, it's, your ego is trying to protect your brain from the dissonance, which is when someone really sits down and like almost attacks what you believe. There's a lot there. I don't want to go into that too deep, but fundamentally, when people are told things or information is brought to their attention that causes dissonance, which means it causes almost a mismatch of what is being said and what they believe. Typically for most people, they try to block it out, deflect it, or make excuses or do one of a numerous million cognitive biases and strategies or whatever that people do to basically ignore new information so that they can keep staying reaffirmed in the things they believe. And then you have things like confirmation bias and hindsight bias, et cetera. For you, understanding that, being open to it, because right now I haven't even gotten into the things I'm actually going to say. So you don't even know what's coming. You haven't even had a chance to have dissonance yet. So you can be a little bit more aware of it. If you hear something that I'm going to say, because maybe you've done it with your child or your niece or nephew, for example, then take it as a sign that, you know, that irksome feeling that you feel where your brain is in, in your ego, your mind is trying to kind of protect you or make or make excuses or, or even warp your memory into like thinking, oh, it's not that often. I don't do that much or whatever. Recognize all those strategies your brain are going to use to try to keep you safe from the pain, the mental pain, which is the dissonance, recognize that. And instead of trying to mitigate it or brush it off, embrace it. So a couple things here, just to kick off. First of all, formula for babies is not natural. Don't do it. Breastfeed for as long as possible. That is the natural way. Look back at our ancestors. That's what we've done for hundreds of thousands of years. I'm not going to go into that any further, okay? This is not a show about breastfeeding or formula or anything like that. But if you actually look at the ingredients of a lot of formula and whatever, it's garbage. It's poison. Now, let's move to more of what I want to talk about today, which pertains to sugar. Sugar is poison. In fact, most people get very confused about sugar because they think they have blood sugar and they think you need it to run your body, which couldn't be further from the truth. When your body increases sugar, right? When your blood sugar rises because an excess of it is so poisonous to the body, your body releases insulin. Insulin goes in and it takes out that excess blood sugar and it shuttles it into places for later. It's the storage hormone. Sometimes it's gonna go to your muscles and be used there. A lot of times it's gonna go to fat cells so to be used for later. So fundamentally, when you're eating a lot of sugar or grains or highly refined carbohydrates that quickly convert to glucose in the body, you know, carbs fundamentally become sugar in the blood. That's another thing to keep in mind. There's another real big problem with actual fructose, which is actually the sugar you get when you have like coconut sugar or fruit sugar or if you eat any fruit, it's primarily fruit sugar, which fructose has a lot of issues itself, right? Compared to something like a potato, which is just pure white starch. Again, I don't want to do a full treatment of fat gain and fat loss and all these mechanisms. And so I'm going to keep it just very basic here. What happens when your body releases a lot of extra glucose, either from eating a very carb-dense source that quickly converts or from eating actual sugar itself, is your body has to shuttle all of that excess glucose out of your blood very quickly. And that is why you know, people that habitually eat carbs or worse are snacking all the time are regularly spiking these levels of blood glucose and thus insulin, which then as a result, you get things like insulin resistance because insulin is getting not as effective at shuttling the actual glucose into cells. Your body becomes insulin resistant. And what it has to do then is it has to produce more insulin to do the same job. And then that eventually like can lead to things like diabetes. And I don't remember if it's one or two. I'm a little fuzzy on that. There's other issues with all kinds of things that can happen when you run into insulin resistance problems. And fundamentally, people that are overweight, they have insulin resistance. It's almost always something that happens, okay? 
That is just when it comes to eating a lot of carbs or eating often, okay? Which is, again, why fasting is so uh, paramount to the human body. It's a natural way we would have eaten in the wild. And that's why I always call it a first principle. I don't talk about fasting as a weight loss gimmick. I talk about fasting as a method that humans need to utilize to eat. We are not grazing animals. We are not cows. We are not meant to stay constantly storing calories for later. What happens when you're eating all the time like this is, you know, you're contributing to fat gain, right? That's number one. You're causing metabolic disrepair, which number two, which you get from having too much insulin in the blood and things like that, okay? Then sugar specifically is the thing I want to talk about today. Now, earlier today, I was at the zoo and I was walking around and you see a lot of overweight people, my fellow humans. I don't look at them as us first them. I look at them as somebody that is lacking most likely, in all, not all cases, but most likely lacking information, maybe tied on funds, usually more just lacking information and not sure what to eat. And as a result, have fallen into really, 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 really bad eating habits. And of course, like if you're watching TV, I remember going to a hotel in Denver, actually. This was recently, six months ago. And I had the TV on and it was like regular TV. And so some commercials came on. Almost every commercial was either fast food or cereal or crap like that, or it was to buy a car. And I think the ratio was like five to one, five to one. So it was like for every five food commercials, junk food, pretty much, there was like one car commercial. And obviously they're marketing to the masses and the average people that stay home, watch TV, things like this, right? There's a lot of variables here. It's a shame and it makes me sick and it makes me frustrated and angry and it makes me a lot of things, which is why I have to put out content like this to try to open people's minds and then hopefully they can open people around them, et cetera. Not to get too far off topic, sugar and back to sugar and what I was seeing today that led to this show today was, I mean, I specifically remember in my head, I could probably, if I was a an artist, I could paint the picture in my head. I was walking by, I was actually holding my 10-month-old son Dara on my arm and on my left was a girl sitting in her stroller, at least three years old, maybe two and a half, I don't know, no more than four years old. She had a one of those mini size, I mean, you know, it's mini, but it's like handheld size bag of potato chips, right? And in fact, they were sun chips, which I think are even worse because I think they have grains and other crap in them. And she's just sitting there by herself and, you know, her parents like staying next to her or whatever. And she's just in chomping one chip at a time. I just, like, I looked at it and I feel like I'm, I'm so far removed from it. Then I thought to myself, how common is this? And then I realized, like, it's actually pretty common. This is how a lot of people in our country eat. And it's how a lot of people in any industrialized country eat. It just, I couldn't get out of my head. I started walking more and more. And then, and then we eventually got on the train. There was this little mini train. It's like a 15 minute ride. And right in front of me is sitting an overweight woman who had, who had two kids next to her. Both of them overweight for their age. One was still breastfeeding. In fact, he, she breastfed him in front of us. You know, she was facing the other way. I'm not saying she was doing it in front of us and there's nothing wrong with that in public, but I'm saying that she was breastfeeding him. He was, he was big. He was probably less than two years old. And he was like four times the size of my son, like big cheeks, big arms. And you know, he was a naturally big kid, but he's also overweight. There's no way, there's no other way to skin this cat. Both of the kids, one was a girl, one was, one was a boy. They were probably like maybe two and three, maybe three and four tops. One was still breastfeeding. And in fact, the one that was breastfeeding was twice the size of the girl. And I'm just like thinking to myself, in fact, if I had to put a weight, a weight on it, he probably weighed like, he could have easily been like 30 pounds or more. Again, that's like in my subconscious, I'm trying not to pay attention, judge or do any of these things that my you know mind kind of races to, right? And we go through the train ride and then we get off the train, we're walking back and we're walking by like the tiger area or whatever. And then I saw this European couple, the father 
was not that much over. He was like medium build, kind of short and stocky, a little bit overweight. Not 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 obese by any means. Or, I mean, maybe borderline obese. Okay. And then the wife was not really big, actually that that much. And the baby was sitting in the front of the stroller that I think was probably like, you know, one or two, one, one to one and a half years old. It was the biggest baby I've ever seen in my life. I, I kid you not. Whether it was on TV, in person, the absolute biggest baby I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that baby was obese. It was an obese baby. It was a fat, obese baby. And I thought to myself, that should be child abuse. And, and, I, and I firmly believe that. I, I think it should be. And I think, but I don't necessarily think that the parents, that the kids should be removed from the parents. You know, I think there should be a regimen. I think there should be training. I think like instead of having these child services and a lot of times make a lot of really dumb mistakes and do things that they don't, they shouldn't be able to do. I think they should be forced to put them through some kind of program that teaches them how to buy foods and how to feed their kids a proper diet, right? We need more of that kind of stuff. Instead of just saying, oh, let's put this kid in another house and then basically ruin his life forever. I'm not blaming the parents. They don't know any better. It's highly unlikely that anybody that's doing this, and this would probably be my best way to explain this, to have some compassion, empathy about it, is none of these parents are waking up every day saying, I want to poison my children. Like, we can all agree on that. Even though, unfortunately, that's what they're doing. Not only are they poisoning their children and causing actual damage, that, but they're setting them up for a lifetime of body image issues, weight struggle, and really just a harder life. Probably going to get bullied, probably going to get picked on, going to struggle with health issues forever, going to be in and out of the doctor, probably on medications, probably struggling with weight their their entire lives. And that really, really saddens me. What can we do about this? Obviously, as a society, as an individual, it's that's a broad topic. I'm going to give you what I think I can do right now for anybody that's listening. It's this. You have to stop feeding children. First, right? First children. Then you have to stop feeding yourself. But really, that's us for another day. Let's just focus on the kids right now. You have to stop feeding kids sugar. You have to stop feeding them processed, refined foods. And this includes, okay, chips, candy, ice cream, cake, french fries, anything with a bun or a grain or, or, or bread, any of that. And everything that has sugar or sucralose or artificial sweeteners or anything like that, every single food that has that on the label, you cannot feed it to kids. Now, somehow... And I know how, really. It was actually the, the first commercials were cereal commercials. You know, they used to call them soap operas because they the daytime commercials, they would sell, I believe they were invented by Johnson & Johnson, actually. They would they were used to sell daily household products. And I, and I think to sell soap, even. And then cereal became a big thing. And when the cereal and the processed food revolution happened, they were sold mainly using commercials targeting children. That is kind of almost the genesis of the processed food revolution and, and our addiction to grains and sugar. It started there. The idea that children, one, can eat whatever they want because like, you know, of a metabolism, that's faulty logic. It's just wrong. It's not accurate in any way. Like it doesn't understand human biology. It doesn't, it's just, it means nothing. If you've ever thought that, get over it. There's no such thing as fast metabolism. And fundamentally, the kids that can eat sugar and that grow up lean, maybe they're not as predisposed to having some of the fat genes as others. And they have found certain fat, they call them fat genes. It makes you more predisposed to diabetes and things like that. They still have to process the sugar through their body, right? There's still damage that's caused by putting food through this system that is fake, artificial, highly refined, et cetera. There's hormone issues that happen. You know, you have, you have things like ADD, which in a lot of cases is a result or exacerbated at least by the really, really bad foods that, that kids grow up on. 
junk food, especially sugar, and this includes actually fruit, fruit juices and things like that. And I'm actually going to go into fructose real quick and how that's, you know, like some researchers like Dr. Lustwood believes it's actual poison. He also links it to uh, the obesity epidemic. He thinks our increase in fructose is the primary reason. It's not, and it's definitely not about eating more calories. And so a good book to read on that is actually the Big Fat Surprise. Also, The Vegetarian Myth is a really good book that covers some of these things. Again, it's kids are not designed in any way to eat fake processed foods or to eat sugar. And a lot of people think it's okay to feed kids sugar or candy or food or whatever. Now, I'm not saying they're never going to have it, but the way we base our decisions for them and, and the frequency of them and the foods that we're actually feeding them it's no wonder that this generation of children is predicted to have shorter lifespans than my generation. My son's generation, I'll repeat that again. If you have kids, your kid's generation are predicted to have shorter average lifespans than you, than me. That is not okay. If that doesn't piss you off, then actually just, you know, you should stop listening right now because like we're not aligned and I would prefer if you went on YouTube and watched funny cat videos or whatever. Like, you know, do something else with your time. That should piss you off. It should piss, piss us all off. Then hopefully we can all do something about it. First of all, without talking about studies and researches and books and resources, like the, the information's there. You can go and Google right now and you can find all the reasons why kids aren't designed to eat that food or adults for that matter, right? None of us, humans. Listen to some of our other shows in the ancestral mind about the first principles of what we are supposed to eat, but I'm not gonna go into that right now. The thing, the only thing I want you to take away from this show is when you walk out and you see these kids gorging on, on junk food, ice cream, sweets, whatever, our entire society is addicted to sugar. You should be questioning what's going on there. You should almost feel bad that those kids are being given those foods because of the damage it's doing. And if you have kids, I would just implore you to stop feeding them these foods and to cut it down as much as you can. If you want to have ice cream night every Sunday or something, I still have my, I get this Kemp's frozen yogurt stuff. It's, it's bad. I'm under no illusions this is good. We're definitely not going to be feeding it to our son. But from time to time, I go and grab some and I eat a couple cups full and then I throw it away. It's not about being perfect here. It's about what are you doing with the bulk of your, of your diet and your time? And how much time are you giving your, the body in, you know, the kids, the child's body, even more importantly, to recuperate before feeding a poison? Okay, so Dr. Lustwick, I would highly recommend looking at some of his stuff about fructose. Real quick, uh, let's do a quick overview of this. So every gram of sugar is typically, and some sugars are different, like honey and high fructose corn syrup and agave, things like that. And again, it, don't eat agave ever. No one should ever eat it. It's pure poison. It's almost like 90% fructose. As you'll see, <laughs> that's not good. So uh, honey, I believe is about 55% fructose. So every molecule, every gram of sugar that you find in honey is different than every gram of sugar you find in like maybe coconut nectar or corn syrup or even an apple, right? The sugar in apple. They all have a different fructose and glucose ratio. Honey is about 55% fructose, 45% glucose. Uh, corn, high fructose corn syrup, I think it's something similar. It's like 55 or 60%. And, and then fruit sugar, no, it definitely does. It definitely depends on the fruit. Like berries are pretty low in fructose. Apples have quite a bit of fructose actually, which is why they're actually not always the greatest thing. And a lot of the apples we eat today have been hybridized to look sweet and be tasty and have more sugar and be more shelf stable. They're a far cry from what we would have eaten in the wild. In fact, if you actually look at what our ancestors would have eaten in the wild when it comes to wild fruit, nothing you're going to find in the store ever is resembling what our ancestors would have eaten or what you can even find in nature really. All the foods in the stores always have more fructose 
They've been crossbred, hybridized, all these things that, that farmers have done over the years to make these foods that are more palatable, that are more tasty, that look better on the shelf. Even the organic produce at the store has been designed to make you buy it and eat it. <laughs> and it's not actually necessarily good for you. Every gram of sugar, this is, this is another takeaway for the show that you can just know moving forward. Every gram of sugar that you eat, anytime you see on the label it says sugar, that is gonna come from some kind of plant Okay, so it's basically a plant sugar. You know, corn, you can get sugar from that. You can get sugar from, I think, even like certain wheats and different things. Like, there's a lot of ways to get sugar. Sugar, it just depends. And a lot of our mass-produced subsidized crops in this country is where you get sugar from, which is why, like, the majority is GMO, right? When it says just sugar on a label, it almost always comes from corn, and it almost always comes from GMO corn. Every gram of sugar is going to be a percentage of glucose, and fructose. Now, here's the thing that happens in the body when, when you eat sugar, any human eats sugar. The fructose doesn't get utilized in your body. It can't be used as fuel the way, the way glucose can be. So fructose goes right to your liver. Fructose, your liver is the only place that fructose can be processed. And what happens is when you start overloading your liver with fructose and other carbs that can fill it up, like glucose, right? You can get what's called fatty liver if you do this too much. And this is what happens to a lot of alcoholics. They get the similar effect or whatever. But it happens to people that are also obese because what they're doing is they eat sugar and sugar and sugar. And your body basically gets overloaded to the cat to the top and it can't process out everything. And so fat, and I'm not, I think it's like gluco-liponeogenesis. I don't remember the name of the word. Maybe somebody looked that up. But what happens is in my understanding of it, which could be incorrect here, I have a loose interpretation of this, is the, the liver basically gets fatter itself, right? And so you get like, you know, fat around li the liver itself, which is obviously not good. You know, and th there's, there's a lot of ways that your organs can get fat inside. There's things like skinny fat where people can be skinny on the outside, but have a ton of visceral fat around their organs and which can lead to all the diseases, right? It's why, you know, skinny people get, can get things like breast cancer. It's why skinny people can have autoimmune issues, right? It's not just about how much you weigh. And that's another big important thing here. There's a lot of things that go on in the body. And when you're feeding the body, whether it's a child's body or an adult's body, things like fructose, things like grains, highly processed foods, all this processed refined crap that is at the base of our industrialized food supply, you get all these issues, okay? Some people show up more on the outside than others. Every time you eat a gram of sugar, your body's gonna take that fructose, half of each molecule, and is gonna throw that into the liver. The liver's gonna then do its best to convert it to energy. I'm not really sure the mechanism on that. And what happens though, is that your the liver usually gets full. If it can't process out the fructose fast enough, then you get things like fatty liver, which then spill over to, to fat gain, not only around the liver, but also in your body, which you see a lot of visceral fat. And then you have just carbs in general, which are gonna increase your blood sugar level and then increase insulin, which then has to then shuttle out that extra blood glucose into other places. And one of the places it can go is liver. It can also go to your muscles. And that's where you have the glycogen stores. But the thing is, once those get full, and for a lot of people, they're always full, especially if you're not training or if you're not an athlete or if you're not lifting weights, generally your, glu your glycogen levels are gonna be maxed out as are your liver levels. Because one, people are eating all the time. And two, they're eating highly refined carbs and fructose all the time. It's like a double, it's like a quadruple whammy of bad shit. And when you do this to a little human, that's what you're doing. You're making that little human metabolically deranged. You're making him or her fatter, quite literally physically fatter, meaning more fat in the, around their organs and on their body. And when I looked at that baby today, the fattest baby I've ever seen, I just feel, I feel a lot of things. So this is, this is me trying to do something about it. <sighs> that's, that's about all I can do. That's all I got in me. I'm already exhausted just from doing that. I hope you find something 
that you can take away from this. You know, even if it means just buying one less bag of cookies and keeping them in your house, going into your pantry and throwing away a few things that shouldn't be there. You know, making some home-cooked food for your kids, getting them on that. The reality is if you do that enough, even if your kids now are used to eating their junk food and they might kick and scream here and there, well, first of all, I would say be the adult. You, you decide, not them. Discipline, right? And then they'll get used to it. They'll even come to enjoy it. And there's a lot of parents that are doing this that I've talked to. A common theme is they go to someone's house, for example, and they ha- there's like cake and they have some and they have a few bites, but they never finish it because it feels too cloyingly sweet to them. Their palate is not used to it. And that's another thing. Our palate changes. Our taste buds change. We, our perception of things change, you know, whether it's sweet, whether it's this, whether it's that. And usually is a result of how often you're eating something. If you're not eating sugar all the time, your body will naturally not want to eat sugar as much all the time. If you're eating it all the time, your body will just want even more, right? Make sure you like and subscribe where you find this. Send us an email if you have anything you want to comment on the show. If you want to tell me that I'm out of my mind, I will gladly take your email and probably just block it, block you from emailing us again. That's fine. And and I'm fine with that. But again, as I said in the beginning of the show, take it as a sign that your brain is playing tricks on you to make you feel better about yourself. You can go your whole life feeling better about yourself and then either end up with cancer, heart disease, whatever yourself, or you're going to end up giving it to your kids. I highly, highly, highly challenge you, implore you, whatever, to just open your mind. The information's there. If you want to learn about any of this, go Look at any of the other amazing people talking about this stuff, whether it's Luswig, whether it's Mark Sisson with Primal Blueprint, Rob Wolf. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about these things. This is not anything that I've discovered. This is not anything that is unique to me, okay? I'm just talking about it here and trying to bring more awareness to it. Let's do something because I don't want my son's generation to live shorter lives than we did. We have a chance to do something about it. We have the information. It's there. It's all there. And fundamentally, what it comes down to for everybody, everybody listening, every human, a real food diet based on eating as close to nature foods as possible, prepped at home, without grains, processed and refined sugar, in fact, with as little sugar as possible, and don't talk to me about natural sugar, because all sugar is natural sugar, even when it's extracted from corn, it's still natural, right? Or from an apple, it's still natural, no juices, obviously desserts. Stay away from all the artificial crap, all the artificial sweeteners, and stop eating things out of a freaking package. Cook your food at home. Get a, a Instapot. Get a slow cooker. Get a couple cast iron pans. It's amazing what you can do with a few simple ingredients and a little bit of grass-fed butter, a little bit of wild pink salt, and which you can get at wildfoods.co. Use code WILDCEO for 2% off, and a little bit of know-how, which you can easily find on YouTube or Google or anything. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.